1: We're dropping this bonus episode into your feed as a little end-of-year thank you for everything you've done to make the Witch Please reboot such a success. You've listened to the show, you've shared it with family and friends, and you've joined our Patreon. It really means a lot to me, to Hannah, to our producer, and to the whole team at Not Sorry. Before we jump into the episode, we want to remind you that we are just days away from the new year. And we're so close to our goal of earning $5,000 a month. If we reach $5,000 a month by January 1st, all Patreon supporters will be invited to attend a live Zoom webinar where you can ask your "Which Please Tell Me questions in real time. We expect it will be very silly and very fun. I'll probably have a glass of wine or two during it, and Hannah will probably suffer numerous jokes at her expense. Help us reach our goal by becoming a patron today. Instead of making resolutions for the new year, hack old news, boring, capitalist, give yourself the gift of bonus content from which please by joining at the $2, $5, $10, $13, or holy guacamole, the $30 tier. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism, so why not consume us? Is that weird? Is that weird? Did you like that? Listen, no matter what tier you choose, you will gain access to benefits that have been accumulating for a year, so there will be plenty of bonus content for you to enjoy. And for those of you who are already patrons, may we gently suggest that you make the leap to the next tier? Plus, and I, I truly hate to say this, we have the unedited Zoom footage. From this holiday recording. And somehow Hannah has convinced me to share it with our patrons as an enticement. So, yes, you can listen to this bonus episode here, but if you become a patron, you can watch us chaotically record it with a crying, barfing baby scroot. Of course, If becoming a patron is currently not in the financial cards, we totally get it. You can still support our work by continuing to share our show with your hot friends, your rich crushes, and your fun cousins. By the way, I get a little goofy in this episode. I know that's going to come as a huge surprise to a lot of you, but um, buckle up. Enjoy!
0: Hello and
2: welcome to a very special episode of Witch Please that we are calling Witch Please After Eight a Holiday.
1: What a clever rhyme. <laughs> it's so good. I'm Hannah McGregor. I'm Marcel Cosman.
3: And I'm Neil Bernholden.
1: Yeah! Oh my God! Neil's back! <laughs>
2: we brought Neil back for a, a very special holiday episode because this is our idea of a holiday good time and uh and neil boldly pitched us a fabulous episode topic idea um marcel i know you did it and just doing a bit (laughs) because i want to make neil defend it okay marcel's look of outrage when an idea is attributed to someone else that is hers (laughs) looking around the room like "Are, are you seeing this
1: It's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So
2: Neil, you had a great idea for what we were going to talk about today. Do you want to tell us about your idea?
3: Yeah, I thought we could talk about Frozen 2.
1: Frozen mm-hmm. 2.
3: Little known cult movie. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
3: That's a Marcel joke. That's a
1: Marcel joke. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And why? Why Frozen 2?
3: Uh, it fits in with the season. And I think in some ways Frozen has somewhat displaced our pal harry potter (laughs) from a certain segment of youth culture (laughs) that's my bold thesis
2: it's such a bold thesis i really thought the answer was because your three-year-old has made you watch it four billion times yeah
3: there's that too (laughs) okay i've seen this i've seen this movie 20 30 i don't she she doesn't watch the whole movie so i don't know Mm. how many times i've seen frozen two so many times and it's always frozen two
1: It's never frozen.
3: Yeah, almost never.
1: Well, not not anymore, right? Because it used to always be frozen. See, I'm in a a mom's chat thread with Neil's partner, Lee, the mother of the three-year-old who loves Frozen. And so I am familiar with days that are like one frozen day and two frozen (laughs) days, by which she doesn't mean we've watched Frozen 1 and 2, but we've watched frozen frozen two once or twice <laughs> yeah frozen once or twice and frozen and or frozen two once or twice
3: that's about the size of it and there's also yeah. the frozen books of course there's the book mm-hmm. adaptations mm-hmm. of frozen
1: now see those i am not familiar with yeah I'm... the
3: the little yeah. golden book of frozen two is just bizarre it just does not <laughs> tell the whole story it's like borderline incoherent
2: yeah i mean they never do right because it's not meant to it's not meant to be a A story in and of itself, it's like explicitly meant as a intertext for the film. Is it
1: just fan service?
3: It's kind of just reminders of stuff yeah. that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it doesn't okay. make sense in and of itself,
1: like it reminds <laughs> me of the way that kids
2: like play frozen that huh? they'll like dress up, and they're not like coherently reenacting the narrative as a whole. They're just like choosing highlights.
1: It sounds like they don't have good enough parents, is what it sounds like. If your <laughs> child is not reenacting the entire thing scene by scene with a strict dedication to plot, what are you even doing?
3: But you know? here's so my daughter has the, this was the summer of Frozen. There was so much Frozen all summer. Right you might into say the that fall.
1: your summer was Frozen.
3: Well, it's a movie. I mean, Frozen 2, Frozen that? 1. <laughs>
1: It wasn't a good joke. So, so sorry, so sorry, Neil. You were busy talking, and I uh, interrupted to make a shitty joke. <laughs> frozen <laughs> death takes place in the summer, and Frozen Two takes place
2: in the fall.
3: Yeah.
1: Do you think they're going to make one in the winter?
3: You think so, but only Olaf's Frozen Adventure, which takes place at Christmas.
1: We have no evidence that Arendelle experiences winter unless it is uh, unless it is created by Elsa.
3: Yes, that we do. would be a bizarre absolutely twist. Absolutely not.
1: Yeah,
2: we do. Were it they... not for the absolutely fact, absolutely not.
3: Yeah, I think I know what Hannah's <laughs> going to say here. We <laughs>
2: go to the store to buy winter supplies, and the winter supplies are marked up because it's not winter.
1: Um, ladies and gentlemen, and non-binary friends, uh, former erstwhile tech support, Trevor Chow Fraser, uh, potential slash. Lover of Neil is, has joined us in the room with the baby with the extremely barfy, um, blast-ended yeah. screw. Oh my god, there's so much, it's just pouring, it's just pouring out of him. Oh my god, there's so much. be our greatest recording yet give the people what they want and apparently what what they want is the unedited bullshit
2: (laughs) this is shocking
1: (laughs) oh Oh, god
2: (laughs) yeah that was you could cut the sexual tension with a knife (laughs) I, Marcel, I think you timed that specifically to miss my explanation of why you were wrong.
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
2: Let's move on. Um, yeah, absolutely. Let's move on. Marcel, I want to know just really quickly what your prior relationship to Frozen 2 was. Um, I uh,
1: Frozen 2 is the first... I don't know why I'm holding the mic so far away. Frozen 2 is the first movie that I that I took Elliot to and she sat through the whole thing, um, in theaters. And so it's Elliot's like first movie, first movie theater experience. Um, and, uh, I just really love it. Like the story, I find the story really, really, uh, delightful. And the soundtrack, as the kids say, slaps, it's just full of bangers and bops. Um, I had to rewatch it today, and I teared up on more than one occasion about yeah. I have written down in my notes
2: when did you cry on this viewing, (laughs) because I cry at different times on different viewings.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I thought I was. Guys, I don't
2: have, I don't have a three or six (laughs) year old daughter to like frame my consumption of Frozen two. I just like this movie.
1: Yeah. It's great. Maybe so, Neil, yeah. I don't know. Neil, do you do you do you like it?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it uh it, it's it's interesting because it started as a movie that I said I didn't really choose to watch exactly, but it really grew on me a lot and it really holds up after dozens and dozens of viewings. Like it really I do think this often, but there are so many movies that I would just hate to watch dozens of times and this one it works it all works
2: is this movie about the need for colonial governments to give the land back to indigenous nations
1: i'm gonna say no okay tell me more okay so he's he's barfing again he doesn't agree with me (laughs) what i will say is that i think that this movie is a very settler friendly metaphor f- for relation but it's not actually a land back narrative because they don't give any land back they they yeah. don't like they blow up the dam so they like yeah. they like they like do reparations and they, like, reestablish a relationship. But they don't, but there's no land that is returned. So I would say it's not, so I would say no. Um, but it. What is yeah. happening in the background? Oh, that's just, Colin just, that's him. He's just chatting. He just. He okay. Just goes, it's, just, it's so funny. It's, he's, just, he's just chatting. He,
2: Incredible. He's
1: just chatting. Neil, thoughts?
3: I think semi, yes. Because there's that scene at the end where Elsa explains to Anna that Arendelle would have been destroyed. Like, the spirits of the Enchanted Forest would have let Arendelle be destroyed if it wasn't for the fact that Anna destroyed the dam. Like, Anna made the right choice to destroy the dam. So, ultimately, the ethos of the spirits is that there can be a coexistence of Arendelle and its kind of colonized area. Like, it's it's like a pseudo-colony, I guess I would call it. So I think that semi, I, I agree with Marcel that it's compromised and it's not as straightforward as just like, yes, blow it up.
2: Yeah, but it does get awfully close to blow it up. That is, it, gets like, way, it gets way, way
3: closer than you would think.
2: Yeah, Like so much closer than I would have expected from like a Disney movie to being like, sorry, in order to atone for historical crimes, you have to let your whole city wash away. And like, I kind of wish it had because the like... The, the song at the beginning that's like, nothing's ever going to change and our flag will always fly is like, the point of that is that it's deeply ironic. And I'm, I would like to talk more about song irony in this movie because the first 50% of the songs are all s- just irony, just <laughs> only, but they say the flag will always fly. And then at the end, the f- like the flag's up again. Because the flag will always fly.
3: And there's that scene where they realize that the spirits, like, the only thing they weren't willing to do was murder everyone in Arendelle. Yeah. But they were definitely going to destroy the city. Yes. Like, that was, I feel like the movie doesn't land super heavily on that, but that was plan A.
1: I honestly, yeah. watching it this time, kept forgetting that it is Thor Ragnarok and not Frozen 2, where they say... Like, because Thor, because um, oh, yeah. where they, oh, yeah. Asgard, yeah. they're like, Asgard isn't a yeah. place, it's, a people. A, place, it's kept, a people. And I kept thinking that they're going to be like, Arendelle isn't a place, it's a people. And then I was like, that's not, this is a wrong Disney Plus film franchise.
0: <laughs> Asgard is not a place. Never was. This could be Asgard. Asgard is where our people stand.
2: Though I think if we probe deeper, we would find that there is more than just that one overlap between Thor Ragnarok and Frozen
1: Two. Oh shit! Oh my god! Oh.
3: Okay. Okay. It's on. It's on. What?
1: I had nothing in cool. mind. Why is everybody so excited? They're both Norse mythology.
3: Oh shit! They both
1: deal with gods and
2: demigods. Shit. Yeah. Okay. That's good because I actually have a note here about uh, Anna. Sorry, Elsa going through a like. Odin like uh, quest where she has to make a significant sacrifice in order to earn wisdom, and that they both kind of go on hero's journeys. But Anna's is a hero's journey that is sort of about ascending to the divine. No, Elsa's is about ascending to the divine, whereas Anna's is a much more typical, like like action oriented hero's journey. Yeah, that suggests that like one of the parallels being drawn between them is like like mind and body or, like, the sacred and the mundane. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I got, mm-hmm. I've got a lot of thoughts.
3: <laughs> uh, Anna's in that song is about depression, right? It's about... Do
1: the next right thing? J-
3: yeah, the next right thing.
1: Okay, I'm going to hand yeah. the mic over to Trevor for just one second. Just one second. Can you tell them what you learned about the person who wrote Do the Next Right Thing? Remember, it was, like, the child, the child had died and, <laughs> and they wrote the song about about getting, about recovering or, like, experiencing grief. Did the Lopez's lose a child?
2: Yeah. I'm not sure, I'm not sure there's much more for me to say there, but, uh, yeah, during the, it was actually during the making, or no, Frozen had been finished, but then it was released, and I think it was at that time, and so it was during, like, all the press tours, they had to, like, keep promoting the film even though they lost their child and and so do the it's about the the march forward through grief was that song's kind of based on their experience uh, persevering through the release of frozen one that's what i read okay i'm not sure how i feel about the the parallel between destroying a dam and promoting a movie but okay neil go
3: I got to jump in here. I don't think that's the Lopez's. I think that's the co-director whose first name I can't remember, but his son's name was Ryder, which is okay. why the Northoldra guy that we meet is named Ryder in this Aww. movie. So Aww. I don't think he wrote the song, but I, like, there's a scene in Into the Unknown, the making of Frozen 2, which is also on Disney+, Plus, where the person who animated that scene talks about it as being about depression and so does Kristen Bell I think so I think I think it's a pretty established reading of that song whatever the origins are
2: yeah I mean I'm I'm it's very sad and also I'm relieved for the Lopez's because I like I like those egoting sons of bitches
3: I think Hannah's point is a really what's it's my point an, it's an interesting one where the struggle that Anna goes through at her lowest point, which is the actual lowest point of the movie, is about depression and not knowing what to do next. You are
2: lost. Hope is gone. But you must go on and do
3: the next right thing as opposed to like a mystical or a kind of externalized struggle but you're right that it like what she needs to do next is blow up a dam yeah
2: <laughs> right yeah but like it is about it's about doing right where so like she she gets to this point where she feels um paralyzed out of action by depression and by the sort of lack of moral clarity of her of her situation and so she has And to Olaf this... is
3: dead. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, and she so she has to make this commitment to... Guys, I don't feel great about Olaf. She has to make this commitment to, like, continuing to act. Um, we'll get to it in a moment, Marcel. Whereas Elsa, like, dies for knowledge. She literally dies for knowledge, which is like classic Odin, right?
1: I, I actually wouldn't know. The only thing I know about Norse mythology is from the Thor movies.
2: I think he gave an eye away in exchange for knowledge
3: yeah Yeah, that sounds right to me
2: because i this is my gesture (laughs) for
1: giving an eye away it looks like you got a dick
2: in the the eye eye.
1: yeah (laughs) which please after eight a holiday wow okay Um, sorry let's pivot you don't like olaf
2: i don't like olaf are you fucking
1: kidding me i fucking love (laughs) olaf
2: Yeah, I think that's the popular opinion about Olaf. I'm
1: not sure that it is. Neil also looks uncomfortable, which leads me to believe that he also dislikes Olaf and is like, oh, God, I have to choose a side right now and I don't want to. He
2: just makes a lot more sense in Frozen than he does in Frozen 2.
1: He is the one who explains the plot of Frozen 1. (laughs) Why does that scene exist? because it's hilarious
3: okay well in Into the Unknown the making of Frozen (laughs) 2 they do a a test screening of Frozen 2 where it's all the adults talking about what happened like Lieutenant Matias is like who are you why are you here and they explain it in the form of a lengthy conversation and kids got bored so they replaced it with a 40 second long scene of Olaf explaining redundantly the movie that we have already seen and are familiar with
1: so perfect. It's probably my favorite scene. Everything Oh man. Everything Olaf does in Frozen 2 is my absolute favorite. His song, This Will All Make Sense When I Am Older, is is incredible. His constant like unintentional Also an irony song. Yes. His constant unintentional like scathing ribbing of everybody else. Like, oh yes. I look forward to when I am old, like you, Anna, and don't need to worry about anything anymore. It's incredible. He's so funny, and he's his thing is the whole water has memory thing, which turns out to be a really important like sub subtext, subtext subplot. No, I think just plot, subplot. Yeah, subplot. Yeah, subplot.
2: Yep, plot. Pathetic fallacy. I like. I think. Yeah, I think it just, he only works for me as a comedic figure. He doesn't work for me as a, like, a figure of pathos. And so I am never moved by the, like, oh, no, Olaf is gone. Like, in part because... You're an adult. Kind of the whole... (laughs) Well, that. But also kind of the whole thing about snowmen is that they die. Um... And by making him literally unkillable, it's kind of like okay, well then what? Like he's there, to, like he should melt to like symbolize the end of their childhood or something. Um, and and at the like Nadir, like like the depth of her depression, I don't know. Like when when Anna and Elsa reunite, I was like crying, and then Elsa was like, "Oh, remember the snowman." And I was like, I didn't know. I did not remember him. I forgot about him.
3: Like, kind of since Frosty the Snowman on Down isn't the theme of the figure of the snowman, like this constant cyclical resurrection. Like that's what happens to Frosty. Right Absolutely, at the end but
2: they don't have to wait.
3: Okay, that's true. Although I think at the end of the Rankin Bass one, Santa just says, Well, Frosty will be back again someday. That's how the song ends. Wait a minute, they do have to wait. <coughs>
2: Yeah, he'll be back again Christmas. someday and you know he'll be back next
1: Christmas cuz he's about the he'll natural be, cycle. He'll Cycles. be back again someday.
3: Buddy waved goodbye, saying don't you
0: cry.
1: I'll be back on Christmas day.
2: But you know what, Marcel, it will be winter.
3: I've talked myself around to this because I just remembered about Olaf. The key thing is he has already been resurrected. That's how he appears in the first Frozen. Like, he's their childhood snowman who presumably melted away. Oh, the, okay, this has changed how I feel I, about this. I
1: would, like to, I would like to clarify why I love Olaf.
3: I do like Olaf, by the way. I should just it, jump in Because of here. his comedy I stylings like
2: rather than his, like, philosophical implications.
3: I actually, I find it a lot sadder when just, like, a silly goofball dies.
1: Have you seen? I find <laughs> that extremely sad. Remember when goofball dies in Inside Out and it's fucking yeah. devastating? I actually Oof. can't yeah, remember what his really name sad. is, but it might as well be goofball. I think it's something very <laughs> close to goofball.
3: What is his name? It's very sad and meta that we can't remember what his name is.
1: It's <laughs> like, appropriate. Okay. I like so no, what I Let me explain go, about yeah. Olaf. Let me just explain yeah. and yep, then here, I'll, yep. and then I'll move on. Okay. So mm, what I have noticed as an adult human rewatching a lot of children's movies is that the the stock character type of the like obnoxious, goofy sidekick person who only serves the purpose of comedic relief is so often excruciating for adults and is really funny for children. And I feel like Olaf is this blessed change where he's not, I find him not excruciating. I find him very funny in a, in a Shrek adult kind of way, like funny for adults Funny for children. The Shrek comparison is just
2: sending me. <laughs> He's funny, you know, like iconic funny for
1: adults film, Shrek. Th- that is the thing about Shrek. That's Shrek's whole thing. It's funny for adults. I am dying right now. <laughs>
3: If you don't start selling witch please, that's Shrek's whole thing pins. You're missing out on a huge opportunity. Let me tell you, that's Shrek's
0: whole thing.
2: It's the whole thing. Um. Okay. Okay. I'm done defending Olaf <laughs> is, now. Let's move on. <laughs> what is what is happening? Um. I I was I was like, yeah. No. Like I. I agree it's tragic when he dies, I just don't think he should come back. And then I realized that in that moment I sound like the child in the theater when I first watched this, where in the scene where Elsa and Anna stumble across their parents' wrecked ship, this kid went, "Oh, is Disney finally going to show us a dead body?"
3: Cowards. <laughs>
2: Yeah, this movie
1: for sure is going to show us the bloated corpses of their parents. <laughs> the six-year-old bloated corpses oh. picked clean by carrion birds. Carrion? That's not what I meant. What's the word that sounds like? Carrion?
2: <laughs>
3: That's it? I thought it was carrion.
1: Is it carrion? <laughs> it's carrion. Oh, sorry. No, it is. Sorry. I got... <laughs> I... <laughs> Like the luggage. <laughs> Trevor has chimed in. Okay, that's Let's carry, carry On. By Carrion Birds.
2: Let's talk about irony. Okay.
3: Like an old stone wall that'll never fall.
0: Something stays same. Like a re-
3: Tight to you. I yeah. I um have seen this movie so many times that I feel like Like it's pretty deft irony. Really. I think if you're somebody who only watches the movie like once or twice or a few times, it's pretty daft. Like you were saying, um uh Hannah, it's it's all in the songs.
2: Mm. It is, and it's those first few songs, right? They like, some things never change. And then Elsa's whole song is about the fact that she absolutely will not go mm, into, into the, the unknown. unknown. Yeah. Absolutely not going to do it. And then Olaf sings about things making more sense when he's older. And I was like, Oh, this is really interesting because, like, rather than the sort of typical Disney, like, here's the scene setting song, here's the I want song, it's just like here's the irony song, and now it's time for the irony song, and then third <laughs> up we've got the irony song. <laughs> is it because like, it's why a this particular? Yeah, like I was kind of beginning to wonder that. Like, is there something about about what they have to do, how they have to like like recognize the happy ending? They don't want it. Like, to delegitimize the happy ending of the first movie, but they need to reestablish stakes and is like is irony the way to do that?
1: I I don't know. I feel like they have so much more freedom in a sequel because sequels are so often like nobody expects sequels to do the work of the standalone first movie, right? um but frozen 2 is just so good that it can it's i it, it i i will say it is much better than the first one it is coherent unlike the first one which is chaos us.
3: Yeah, bold
1: <laughs> which is why olaf's reenactment of it is perfect
3: <laughs> in the i'm also Olaf. i'm going to stop at some point plugging this uh making of movie so at no, some you're point not <laughs> At some point we just started watching everything with frozen in it because my mm-hmm. daughter just wanted to see like more Elsa mm-hmm. at some point. Um and we could talk about that shortly, but um Yeah. We just we just started watching like the making of. We watched all the shorts. Um Olaf's Frozen Adventure, which canonically takes place at Christmas time.
2: Mhm. Oh, love Christmas that one after the events of Frozen 2.
3: Yeah, uh after Frozen 1 before Frozen 2 cuz they say it's the first Christmas since the doors right. uh, of the palace are open. Yes,
1: that's right. Oh, it's that's been right. a year.
2: There's it's a song a about it. Okay. There's a
1: song, yeah. There's a song <laughs> about it.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> Have you you haven't seen it, Hannah? No. No, cuz you had to borrow my Disney Plus to um to mm-hmm. watch it. And by my I mean my roommates. <laughs> but I, I do I do send them money for it so I share. We share. <laughs>
3: What was I even talking Oh right it's okay really sorry hard
2: to
1: say because one person on this recording is so chaotic
3: <laughs> I'm a muppet
1: am I a muppet or am
2: I What I, I was going to say is the um
1: yeah go
3: in the in the making of um a documentary they show Josh Gad doing some alternate lines from that scene where he summarizes the events of Frozen 1 oh. And I feel like there's a lot of good jokes that got left on the floor. And I'm just going to recount this. I I guess I'll just retell a joke that Josh Gad told once. It would be Um,
1: incredible if you claimed ownership of this joke. If you were like, hmm, what if they did this instead? But I really respect... We never watched the documentary. (laughs) I really respect the fact that you cite your sources, Neil. This is incredible. No plagiarism for this guy.
3: I'm running a hunch here that... The audience of which, please, contains enough people who are familiar enough with Frozen <laughs> that it would end really badly for me to be like, "Oh yeah, uh, I I bet that if Elsa ever got a cold, she would sneeze out little tiny snowmen." That would probably ha- that's an idea I just came up with. <laughs> that's so funny. That was never in any canonical source. I love that. It's in Frozen Fever, which is another <laughs> short.
2: <laughs> um. So just would like to state for the record that Neil just specified that he's only not plagiarizing because he thinks he would get caught. Yes. So that's the only reason <laughs> Neil, of give us some of us don't plagiarize Hannah. Give us some of those those uh, those cutting room floor jokes.
3: So the joke that I wrote in my notebook is he's summarizing the events of it and he's uh, the events of the first Frozen. And he's saying, doors slamming everywhere. And then he riffs on that by saying... <laughs> These sisters don't know how to open these doors. They don't have the keys to these doors. They don't have the keys to these doors. They don't know where the keys are. And I was like, "That's amazing. That's an incredible like snowman's interpretation of this story. Like, that's great."
2: Yep, that's great.
3: Because <laughs> I, uh, I, I mean, the thing that I like about Olaf is he has this sort of like savant like quality of focusing on things that are totally meaningless and irrelevant but all wind up being important in some way I like it it's a good joke
1: like in Frozen 1 when he's like oh you know if only you had a one true love you know like how Kristoff brought you all the way back to Arendelle so that you could be with Prince Eric and then when they see him coming he's like oh I guess he doesn't love you after all
3: That's a good scene. That's ah, so funny! Or when he says some people are worth melting for, but he obviously just means it literally. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not <a> <laughs> it's not a metaphor.
2: Absolutely not. Absolutely not that. Snowman does not speak metaphorically. Uh,
1: uh, just 100% uh, sincer- sincerity all the time.
2: Neil, I want to know, know more about the notes that you have written down. You said you were going to say more about liking Elsa more than Anna. <gasps> oh that's Ooh. controversial
3: uh my my daughter likes elsa a lot i think probably for the reason that elsa is who you're pretending to be when you do like this hand thing when you and you just go like yep. that's it she does that a lot all the time it's <laughs> it's amazing do you have so to I think to freeze
2: when she does it
3: that would be a good improvement, actually. Start. That's pretty good. Okay, I, should, I think I will, yeah.
2: <laughs> Sorry, did I just introduce to you the idea of playing along with your child?
1: <laughs> I don't know
2: if you well, know about
1: this, Hannah, but it. Neil has never interacted with his daughter. He just observes her.
3: Well, she has powers, so of course we locked her in our house. And...
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Of yeah. course, of course.
3: <laughs> um, But I feel like that does get to the point that I think, like... These movies are not for me in any way, really. Um, but when I watch them, I'm like, oh, Elsa's great. She's a princess and she has superpowers. This is amazing. Like, the yeah. appeal is so obvious that I just feel like there was no, like, what's going on? It's just like, it's so obvious. So I feel like she has a certain iconic kind of power. But, uh, yeah. yeah.
2: I do feel yeah. like she is the one I always see, like little kids wanting to cosplay as and wanting to pretend to be. Cause it's like Anna is like vital to the narrative. Like she is the hero in in most sort of traditional ways in which we think about like heroism and the way that you like solve problems and drive narratives forward. Um like for the most part Elsa is a problem to be overcome <laughs> rather than a narrative driver. But you want to be Elsa because she's got cool superpowers and she sings all the best songs
1: I mean she doesn't sing this will all make sense when I'm older nor does she sing I'm lost in the woods yeah oh, okay
3: let's That's, talk about it Yep.
1: absolutely now I know you're my
0: true north cause I am lost in the woods up is down day is night when you're not
3: Again, from this documentary, one of the things they talked about <laughs> is that think there you wasn't like
0: mention
2: it again. <laughs>
3: yeah, it really informed how I think about this movie that I've seen thirty times. <laughs> um, they talk about how the first movie didn't really have like a boy song. Mm-hmm. Yada yada yada. This is what they came up with, they which were like, I think this is just what
2: boy songs are
3: incredible. Just. Astonishing, like incredible. This is incredible, incredible work.
1: Because it is such a boy song, but it's also such a soft boy song. Who am I? I'm not your guy. I love it because of how it fits into the narrative. Like, this, like, the relationship between Kristoff and Anna could have gone in many directions, and the direction that they opted for is. I'm here. What do you need?
3: It's amazing.
1: It's it's really good. In- Christoph
3: Incredible. is great. I love him yeah.
1: so. Oh, I agree. Oh, I am the, not in that
2: moment. Uh, yeah, he's like, oh, I'm not. I'm I am not, not the, the, hero. the romantic hero of this. <laughs> yeah, this, this narrative is not about me. And rather than that for him being like, okay, cool, I guess our relationship is over. He's like, cool, I guess I'll just decenter
1: myself. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. render assistance. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What a guy.
1: I know. I know. Um, yeah. It's the second
2: most important soft boy anthem that exists. What's the first one? By Wife Energy. Pardon? It's a TikTok song. Oh, okay. By Wife Energy. Well, to be honest, I'm a sensitive guy. But I really try to be a good ally. That's very charming. Oh, you know what? We'll just drop it in. Just coach. Just drop it in. Good. Just drop drop it in. By wife
3: energy. He has by wife energy. By wife energy. He has by wife energy.
1: All right. And there it is. So some listeners may not know this, but that song i'm lost in the woods was written by weezer um which i, did, I didn't know it was written by weezer <laughs> i knew what? that they did the like the
2: the the credits version there's always like a pop version yeah. of the major songs in the credits yeah um but i didn't
1: realize they wrote it <laughs> i'm pretty sure trevor am i right about that
2: you know what somebody fact check somebody this
1: because it might I know that they perform it, but did they write it? Because it's sort of like in Moana when, um, like Tamatoa's song is so perfectly Jermaine Clement, but, um, uh, uh, what is his name? Help, help! The incredibly famous Lynn Manuel Miranda. The one Lin Manuel Miranda wrote it for Jemaine, and that's why it sounds so perfect for Jermaine. So I actually don't know. Um, I I was under the impression that Weezer wrote it. Anyway, uh, no, they didn't. God damn it! Okay, it's perfect. It's, perfect. it's perfect for them. So it was written for Weezer to perform. Yeah, you know who it was written by? <laughs> who? Lin Manuel Miranda. Lopez is those
2: egotting sense of bitches. Lin Manuel Miranda. I have no issue with him. I think he is a very good songwriter. I think that the Lopez's are a significantly more exciting. <laughs> songwriting team neil is uncertain
3: <laughs> no i agree i totally agree
2: i think they're very talented
3: it's hard for it's hard for you know for me what, i don't need it. to
2: compare they're all, very they're all very everybody's talented everybody's very talented they obviously can write in many different genres um everybody tell me what is your favorite song in this
1: movie okay what do you mean by favorite though the traditional meaning. Because, uh, like, okay. <laughs> the conventional meaning that people usually mean when they ask you about your favorite. I don't. Because there's like, there's the song that I would listen to on a playlist, like a song that I would add to a playlist. There's a song that when I watch the movie, I'm like, yes, this one. There's a song that, like, I always forget about. But then when I hear it, I'm like, mm, yes, this is my jam. Like, the whole soundtrack slaps. How do you choose? I have different Neil? favorites. Neil, what's your favorite?
3: I, I'm going to say it probably actually is the Kristoff song. Yeah. Because it reminds me a lot of a specific 80s song called The Glory of Love by Peter Cetera, which
2: One is similar. Coach, 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 can you drop a clip in? <laughs> right here. Drop don't make coaching. me don't make me look Tra- like a
3: fool here. Don't make me <laughs> that- l- Choose the right part.
1: Sometimes I just forget, say things I might regret. It breaks my heart to
3: see you cry. It reminds me of that song, which I really like, but is a very specific kind of like 80s cheese that doesn't ever quite hit the heights. So to me, this is like one of the songs from Frozen that I would plausibly just listen to with no connection to Frozen whatsoever. So that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say "Lost in the Woods." That's that's my favorite. Also, it's a boy song, so as a boy, I'm obliged. to You're obliged to, like, to it. like
2: the boy song, just like how Gaston has to be your favorite song. In <laughs> Hannah,
3: one of the first times I ever met you, possibly the first time I ever met you, we were all waiting in line to go to the Edmonton Expo. I was
2: going to say, was it in line at the Edmonton Expo? Because yeah, So abso- that's the first time you ever met me, for sure. <laughs>
3: absolutely. And you absolutely came out of the gate strong with a dressing down of any defensive guest on.
1: <laughs> so, okay, listen. So the missing came information here... Came out of the here. gate strong with a dressing
2: down is a description of how i encounter and befriend every man i have ever been <laughs> friends
1: with so for listeners what was happening this is incredible i didn't i i think i had forgotten that this is when you two first met i'm thrilled by this which
3: please origins
1: which please origins mm-hmm. we were standing in line for the for the edmonton comic and entertainment expo and there were these two dudes behind us in line who were in the middle of a like enthusiastic conversation about how Gaston, the character from Beauty and the Beast, who tries to force Belle to marry him, and then when she doesn't, tries to kill the Beast for oh, he just also to has, her, has her falsely
2: incarcerated for madness. And her he accuses <laughs> her of hysteria and locks oh, her.
1: Like <laughs> like Gaston. <laughs> Tribes.
2: Like
3: he's an actual like criminal who does yeah, like crimes,
1: an actual monster and criminal who does crimes. These two dudes were discussing the fact that he is really the most unappreciated of heroes or unappreciated of men. In I can't, the you know canon. what's amazing? I,
2: I don't remember any of this at all but i am like re-experiencing as you're talking telling me about it i'm like what (laughs) like of course at the time i clearly had the same response no all i remember about that line that lineup Mm -hmm. is the fact that um neil passingly i had no idea at the time that neil was dating lee um and i knew lee already um and Neil made a passing reference to how his partner wasn't coming because she wasn't into these kinds of things. And I immediately was like, well, she sounds like a real bitch. <laughs> I don't know why I just, like, constructed this narrative in my head where, like, she was really mean and treated Neil badly. <laughs> I just invented this, like, like emotionally abusive partner for Neil. And then, like... A couple of months later was at, I think, a holiday party um, at, I believe, Jillian's house.
1: Not my sister-in-law, Jillian. A different Jillian. A different Jillian. And you and Lee were in
2: different rooms. And I had, like, chatted with you for a bit. And then I went into the living room and was chatting with Lee and was like... Yeah. How are you doing? Like, what's new? What's going on? And she was like, yeah, things are really great. Like, you know, I started dating somebody. I don't know if you've met him. His name is
1: Neil. And I was like, (laughs) but you aren't a bitch. But you, you are not a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. well, while we're telling tales out of school about Neil and Lee... I want to tell you guys, I've, I think, Neil, I, I wonder if you remember this. I know I told you when it happened. So I had not met Lee for years. I knew Neil and was friends with Neil for years before ever meeting Lee. And in advance of Neil's birthday, right around the time he became all but dissertation in his PhD process, where we were going to get together for in the pre-pandemic times for drinks, Outside at an event (laughs) at a patio. I had a dream where I met Lee, who I had never yet met, and she had an English accent. And I told Neil ahead of meeting Lee that I was like, hey, I had a dream that I met your partner. Does she does she have an English accent? Am I a psychic genius? And Neil was like.
2: And is she a huge bitch?
1: God. Listeners, this is only hilarious because Lee is not a huge bitch,
2: nor is she British. Okay, yeah, she British.
3: We, yeah. Just want to jump in here and point out this is also all dramatic irony.
2: This is this is all. You know what we're exploring right now—the power of irony. I still didn't get any answer about why there's so much irony in the opening songs of this movie. Why not? Yeah, but
3: I think that theory makes sense. What's the theory? Like they start where the other movie ends right so they can't just have the same things happen again because that would be so awful and such a waste of time
1: hannah is so mad at me because i'm really drunk right now and i'm just being such a fucking chaos muppet and neil is taking this very seriously and i am here to remind you that i am the mess you left when you went away to remind
3: wow is that are you irony are you are you doing like a not
1: unlike alanis Morissette? like a set. different track on the same what album irony is and so i just say things and sometimes they hit home
3: is it you, whoa
0: whoa <laughs> hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place
3: Mm, mm. complex oh.
2: <laughs> mm, I'm gonna see what else What else I've written down okay. I would like to have a conversation about Elsa's theoretical lesbianism
1: yeah I would love to have a conversation about that I don't yeah okay
2: okay because I think that there is some like rumors that they considered actually making her canonically gay I don't know how many of those rumors are just Twitter nonsense? Um, but Elsa reads extremely asexual to me. I was
1: that's, mm. okay, so yeah. that's what I was gonna say. Is that like is is lesbian just the like go to term for queer for like queer woman character?
2: Yeah, like you know who Elsa is in
1: love with—that water horse. <laughs> And that cool fire lizard. And the cool fire lizard at the very beginning of the movie, Anna is like, mm, Heterosexuality is awesome. Let's make these people kiss. And Elsa literally says, Ew, Anna, gross. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they establish it that, like, as a child,
2: she is like, This is very weird. And there's just that moment at the end when Kristoff, <laughs> uh, proposes to Anna finally and if you look at Elsa she's standing beside, the side like oh <laughs> this is so weird and then instantly walks over to Anna takes her hands and like brings her over to do something else <laughs> <coughs> She's, when you watch that scene it's like hooray you're oh look the earth giants are here let's interact with them instead <laughs> like
1: immediately <laughs> oh my god I yeah I love it
3: I, I'd also like to throw in of course uh, the point that Prince Hans of the Southern Isles brings up in oh my the first god, I movie
1: Prince Eric earlier
3: Uh, we all knew who you meant (laughs)
1: Yeah,
3: Um, that he brings up that uh, no one was getting anywhere with Elsa
1: yes
3: (gasps) which was his original plan Mm -hmm. to take over the kingdom Mm -hmm. Um, so just throwing that in there as like I do think it's interesting and good I mean it's not good that Elsa is one of the only characters you could say this about but that she is excerpted from the compulsory heterosexuality of Disney movies Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, it's not good it's not good that she's one of the only characters, but it is good that there is a character. Mm
1: -hmm. And one of the most famous and beloved. Yeah.
2: They pluck her right out of that and instead make her want like knowledge and power. And knowledge power. Hypothetically. (laughs) And like that's not bad. Like she's not punished for being a woman who wants like That scene, the fact that the final scene of the movie is her face as she rides a magic horse out to the ice fortress. Mm -hmm. When, like, the whole first movie was like, you're not allowed to have an ice fortress. Mm -hmm. That's the moral. Ice fortresses are bad. You have to come back home. Mm -hmm. Sorry. No ice fortresses for you. In the second
1: (laughs) movie, they're like, psych! She could have an ice fortress if she wants. (laughs) Bye! Also, the whole song... Into the Unknown and, like, the the Ata Holland song. Oh, my God. Help. Mm -hmm. Help. Show yourself. Show yourself. Show yourself.
2: Show yourself.
1: Is all, like, the, um, hmm, this is A plus quality right now. Um, A plus quality Marcel content. The whole thing about the song is her like going thinking that it's about finding someone else and then it's like oh no I'm enough. The whole point of the song is I'm yeah. enough. What I what I am and what I have is enough. I'm who I've been looking for. And then and then like that's so like yeah, she gets an ice fortress that's all to herself that she gets to go to and sing songs about. And yeah, if this isn't if this isn't a blessed asexual narrative of like fulfillment and acceptance, then I would like you to point me in the direction of something that is. She is like
2: a spinster icon for our times. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: love it. You know, before Elsa like the asexual pop culture representation was Todd from Bojack Horseman, who I love but who is not heroic no i mean nobody in
2: bojack horseman is a good representation of whatever demographic they fall into (laughs) yeah yeah but uh yeah anyway elsa big big fan neil Neil, what else what else do you have uh, written down there in your secret serious adult pad of paper
3: um
1: (laughs) nerd Welcome, welcome back to Wish. Please, Neil, Marcel's gonna get drunk and bully you. Apparently,
3: <laughs> this podcast has changed.
1: Mm. Do you think
2: Elsa really dies?
3: Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. What a great question. You know, it's funny. The second you said that, I was like, yeah, she does. Like she turns into ice, just like Anna did in the first one, which yeah. I think is symbolically mm-hmm. a death, right?
2: Isn't it cool that they both have to die? Mm. I'm not drunk. I have no excuse for the things I've been saying.
1: <laughs> Why? Aren't-
3: oh, sorry. Okay.
2: Here, I wrote down Elsa radicalizing Anna from beyond the grave. Mm. <laughs> right? that Her final act of death is to transmit the truth mm-hmm. about the violence of their grandfather mm-hmm. so that Anna has no choice but to act on it. Mm-hmm. It's true. That's how you it. be a good ancestor.
3: I wanted to throw in you had mentioned this earlier, Hannah, about the violence of the dam mm. that uh Arendelle built. I don't I feel like they again didn't land on this super hard, but when we see the Northoldra they talk about being the people of the sun and they mention that they haven't seen the sun for thirty-five mm. years. And I was thinking that it's an interesting, really simple way of actually talking about like cultural genocide. Where it's it's not that they were all killed violently or something. It's that they they do not have access to the actual spiritual things that are important to them. Um, and I think it's Ryder who says that he has never seen the sun or the sky. Yeah, he's actually, never seen the
2: sky. He didn't know it and was that so big. same that same scene right after he says, I didn't know it was so big is when the reindeer come out and we get that gorgeous aerial shot of the reindeer running that's what made me cry on this viewing okay
0: let me cuz i was thinking
2: yeah. i was i was i was marcel calm down i very recently <laughs> listened to an excellent podcast about um the killing of the bison by settlers and like the link between sort of the destruction of bison herds and the destruction of bison's natural territory to to the sort of like long project of settler colonial genocide and so just that that scene of like the reindeer out and running and i was like
1: mm-hmm. the reindeer are out so okay so what so i wanted to jump in here because um sister-in-law of the podcast jillian chow fraser um uh studies and works on caribou uh, in like <clears throat> Alberta, the boreal boreal region. Anyway, you sound so confused. That's the province where you live. I am trying to. How much wine have you had? A surprising amount. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I really was trying to recreate the vibe of the previous, and I'm very disappointed in the two of you that you didn't pull your weight in this encounter. (laughs) But you know what? I'm here. To represent.
2: This is silly, why you do—the
1: hard work. Silly drunks everywhere. Okay, <laughs> so I messaged sister-in-law of the podcast, Jillian Chow Fraser, um, because I know, like, when we went to see the movie in theaters, she came with us, and she was so moved by that scene. And I was like, Jill's gonna have stuff to say about this. And so I texted her, and I'm just gonna read to you our texts. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. This is from me, Marcel. Can you please explain why the caribou run at the end of Frozen 2 is so moving? Jillian. Lol. Because caribou are are majestical. Marcel. Ugh. I was hoping for more like a conservation point of view. Jillian. Oh, haha. Why was it so moving? Question mark. Marcel. Like, what does it mean? Jillian they're migrating so I got nothing I got nothing, <laughs> and, nothing. <laughs> and I want to share that with the people who are listening and be like wow what I what a disappointment I do think I
2: do think she's right though what's moving <laughs> is that they're migrating
1: yeah but what because, does it mean Hannah
2: What? Well, because we've established that the North Uldra are not only the people of the sun, but that they are also a people who move with the seasons, um, right? They specify at one point, like, we're going to this meadow now, you can come with us if you want. And their capacity to move with the seasons has been severely restricted, not only by the building of the dam, yes, but also by their literally being like, the magical forces become like a reserve, right? Sure. Like they can't... Yeah. They can't get out of it. And so their natural ability to, like, interact with their territory, interact with the land the way that they sort of need to as part of who they are has been cut off, as has the reindeer, which is like, you know, all entangled together. And so that moment where the reindeer get out and it's like, OK, the reindeer can migrate now is like like a restoration of something that was lost.
1: Yes, yes. One might think that that is the answer that a conservation biologist who studies caribou might give. How beautiful, Hannah. Jillian (laughs) literally wept in the theater because she was like, caribou runs are so rare because caribou are so near extinction. This is so beautiful. (laughs) You know what? Her boyfriend is visiting, so she's lost in the woods. Is is what's happening.
2: I really, the amount of this episode that is Marcel attempting to prompt family members to tell anecdotes in ways that they are refusing to do satisfactorily (laughs) is really very good. It's only happened twice. Wow, that's, you know what? Two for two. That's a lot. Two
1: for two.
3: Can I also, uh, can I recount another highlight from this documentary? (laughs) there's an interview with the animator who does the scene of lost in the woods mm. and, and that moment
2: where the second face shows up and you suddenly realize what they're doing yeah God damn
3: um, she's animating it and she wants she wants to get the expressions on uh, all of the reindeer looking different <laughs> so she creates a clip of the scene where it's her face on each of the reindeer like singing different. Facial, with different facial expressions, it's incredible. It's hilarious. What is just like amazing?
1: Please restate the name of the documentary because I'm now going to watch it. This was the. This thing. is
3: in. This is into the unknown. The making of Frozen Two. I. It's like six episodes. I think that's in the second or third episode. But it's just it's six one of the funniest episodes. things I've ever seen.
1: I love
2: this. Oh, yeah, it's so
3: longer much. than Frozen 2. It sounds
1: like <laughs> it. <laughs> As
2: will this conversation be by the time we're done with it?
1: Yeah, well, you know, give the people what they want. Okay, let's go back to your initial question, Hannah. When did you cry? I told you already when the reindeer. Yeah good okay yeah again another another is that the only time you cried on this watch through yeah oh okay neil yeah what about you what about you You didn't cry
3: (laughs) okay i cried during olaf's death scene where anna says warm hugs Ah! Which is the original thing that Elsa says when she created the first Olaf all those years ago, right? My name ago, is right? Olaf
2: and I love warm hugs, yeah. Yeah,
3: and she gives him a warm hug and then he passes away in her arms and I just think, like... Uh, it's brutal. Just brutal. Disney, you're too good at this. Stop it. Stop. It. Stop. Stop making me feel grief. Um,
1: this... This watch through, I cried a number of times, but the time that surprised me was when Christoph said, I'm here. What do you need? He scoops up Anna and she's like, I'm sorry i left you. And he's like, fuck, who cares? I'm here. What do you need? And I was like.
2: <laughs> that moment where he, when he says, oh, my love, isn't that fragile? Yeah. My love is not fragile. Oh, my God. Holy shit. <laughs> like. <laughs> Imagine the, like, at last I understand what it means to create a, like, fantastical romantic hero. Because the idea of a man sweeping in and being like, don't worry about it. I process this emotionally by myself and won't make it your problem. It's like, said no man
1: ever. Oh, My love is not fragile. That's the sound of me crying. That's yeah, a good scene. It's a good
3: scene. What a great movie. Oh, my God. It's a good movie. I, re- I also, I gotta say, I really, I like that it's so ambitious. It's a very ambitious movie.
1: Yes. Tell me
3: more. I just really feel like it's, um, I don't dislike the first Frozen, but I feel like the second one is really trying to do significantly more and more difficult things. And I like it. I think it's about some very kind of difficult things. You know, emotionally, story-wise, there's the fact that there is not really an antagonist to the story who, like, is alive at the time of the story. like,
2: the the antagonist is the violence of their own familial history. Like, the past and their responsibility to it. Yeah. And
3: even there, the movie isn't really, like... It does not go and I think rightfully heavy on the fact that it's their grandfather, like he's secretly the villain of this. It's just like he's barely in the movie
1: right it's not like it's not like, oh well, we reduce it down to Hitler, and then Hitler is the bad guy. It's like the yeah. grandfather does this bad thing, but like we are all responsible for the like longevity of the effects of that of that bad thing
3: yeah, and you you understand how uh you know how their father agnar uh, when they were younger told them this story that is we now see is this extremely biased uh version of the story and then how their mother had her you know she had already like, i just i feel like it's an extremely complex mother- chronology
2: yeah and like we know when you watch it again and you see that moment where like the father is telling that story and the mother is silent throughout mm-hmm. it and then once he leaves she sings them the lullaby mm-hmm. that is a lullaby of her people mm-hmm. that's like how do i teach you the values of my people without either outing myself because it seems like she is passing um and and needs people to not know that she's north aldra but also like that she she doesn't seem to be in a position to directly contradict her husband mm-hmm. um but, like, is trying to find another way to teach her children.
3: I was just going to say, it's just a really complex story, I think, in terms of what actually happens and the feelings that the characters have because of it. And I think the movie does a pretty deft job at weaving between those things and not having it be just a mess.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Like, just a... You could just see how this could just be, like, a mess.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there are little bits, like, I feel like the the it the wires show in a few moments i feel like towards the end of the movie when they're having to like tie up all the loose ends (laughs) and there's like kind of like a few too many short scenes that are just like loose end loose end loose end loose end like they're trying to they kind of have to do some like it's not as tidy or as neat narratively as the first one was i know marcel you said that it was wild but in some ways the first one is also narratively very tidy um. right there's like there's a problem that problem is overcome and then the next scene everything is fine
3: well and one just to sorry no go ahead
2: oh just like you can't nothing happens in this movie that means that in the next scene everything's fine mm-hmm. Neil? Neil?
3: oh I was just gonna say that actually one thing that I don't I think is a real weakness of the first Frozen is actually Prince Hans when it turns out that You know, he's actually the antagonist. He's actually the bad guy. He's been running this scheme this whole time. But up until that conversation with Anna, literally nothing that he's done would have been any different if he was completely sincerely, like, her romantic interest. And I always feel like it's not, like, that's bad or I don't like it. It's a twist, right? I mean, it's kind of unsupported, but it's a twist. But I do feel like it's very simple, Mm -hmm to just have a character pretend to be good and then, oh, it turns out he's bad. And, like, there's no foreshadowing of it at all. Like,
2: he's just a bad guy. We thought he was a good guy, he's he's a bad guy.
3: He's one of the worst people in this entire franchise, but, like, nothing he does would have been any different if he had been completely sincere, and nothing we see would be different, and it's just kind of, like, there's no foreshadowing of it that I can pick up on at all.
1: No, I... Believe the reason there is no foreshadowing of it is because that was not the original plan. Um, this is another one of those things where, like, I, I wish Trevor was in the room because I know that he knows more about this because his brother hates Frozen because of the narrative inconsistencies. And so they've had like multiple conversations about this. And wow. so, brother-in-law of the podcast, Emmett Fraser. Fuck.
2: Do you want to do you want to try texting him and see if he'll give you a clear explanation of his
1: stance? Absolutely not. He does not listen to this podcast, and he does not know <laughs> that I'm talking about him right now. Um, no, uh, but I. So I can't. I'm just. I'm just going to throw out a number here. I think that Frozen One was re was rewritten four times um and so like the story goes in a lot of like weird Sever- you could just say several we've got words for like a bu- no no, no a but bunch, four but I, but I, I I know but like four is four is the number that's in my heart and so I want to I want to be true to my yeah. heart okay yeah yeah my... <laughs> listen to your heart <laughs> I think it's four anyway who knows it was rewritten several times and Um, Yeah, because like Elsa was going to be the villain originally. It was
2: going to be like a more traditional snow queen kind of situation where she had to be defeated.
1: Yeah. So like a lot, like a lot of shit happened in the making of Frozen 1. Why haven't they made an Into the Unknown, the making of Frozen 1? Probably because a lot of stuff happened backstage that was not that fun, is my guess
2: anyway yeah and because into the unknown was in frozen 2 so that would have been a wild thing to call the making
1: of frozen one it really would have been unexpected ironic you might say ironic (laughs) yeah i mean maybe maybe the second movie is so
2: ironic because they're making up for the absolute lack of any kind of like dramatic irony in the first one there's like no moment where anybody turns to the screen and is like wink Mm -hmm. yeah this guy's bad so no moment where he like steeples his fingers when she walks off screen it's just iron and there's
3: there's even right after he first meets her and he winds up in the water under the boat and you see him he's completely alone and he just makes this kind of totally sincere like oh i just met a wonderful girl face and it's like He's evil. What he just decided is to kill her. And it's like, I I actually, I I feel like this, I wouldn't be surprised if I feel like this is confusing to children because there's no signposting of it at all until he suddenly turns out to be like the worst person. I'm
1: going to say that it's not confusing to children because children don't pay attention to signposting. That has been my experience as a parent, that signposting means nothing. (laughs) <laughs> until Maybe you should start
2: teaching your children how to read well enough
1: i mean until the the character is explicitly presented as a villain they are not a villain and then once they are explicitly presented as a villain it doesn't matter that they were ever a good guy like elliot my sweet blessed hippogriff child of six years old has no problem whatsoever comprehending that Anakin Skywalker was a good guy and then became Darth Vader, who is a bad guy. She has no issue with that at all. <laughs> it's just these are two different people who happen to be the same person, and that's fine. She's no nuance. Kind
2: of feel, kind of feel the same way.
1: Whoa. <laughs> Whoa.
2: It's a conversation anyway, for another day when we make a Star Wars podcast. Next Whoa. Christmas.
1: So this, again, back to Olaf's re-enactment, re-summarization mm. of the first movie when he's like, oh, surprise, Prince Hans is the bad guy. And then the guard guy who...
3: Lieutenant Matthias Lieutenant
1: Matias is like, what? Perfect. It's perfect because it's like, that's what all of us were doing. We were like, I don't understand. How can that be? It doesn't make any sense because it didn't. Because it didn't make any sense but they did it
3: anyway. Well, I just... The movie would have been exactly the same up to the... Like, nothing would have been different. There's no... Like, the second movie, I think, does such a good job of, oh, that makes sense. Like, <laughs> that's something I didn't know. And it makes sense, yeah. given what we already know. Like, when even your example just a few minutes ago, Hannah, where you're like, oh, that's why their mother reacted in that way in the very beginning of the movie. Now we understand why.
2: Yeah. Yeah yeah it is a tighter movie for sure yeah
3: i think i don't know if this is where you were going with that story marcel but yeah i suspect that frozen 2 was rewritten maybe maybe many more times on like a micro level
1: uh like like pre-production
2: like
3: scene by scene Mm -hmm. yeah but like but like
2: less of that like complete overhaul of what we think this movie is about
1: yeah. Like I think the thing. the difference is that whatever rewriting happened for Frozen Two took place before they started illustrating and recording. <laughs> Whereas Frozen One it was like Ooh I know we already filmed the entire movie, but uh can filmed. We... Yeah, filmed. I don't I filmed
3: Well, they talk in in Into the Unknown about how they spent like two and a half years writing the movie. Neil
1: is here to prevent a fight, is what's happening. That's what's really going on.
3: That's that's my.
2: Neil
1: is the bridge between the the spirit world and the human world. And a bridge has two sides Hannah is one side, Marcel is the other, and Neil is the bridge.
2: Wow, this metaphor got confusing. Guys, I have one last question. I have one last important question.
1: (laughs) Neil has to say though he didn't finish his point because i interrupted him
2: <laughs> it's fine no neil okay tell, tell me go
3: I, I was just gonna say if you if you watch the documentary <laughs> it's very clear they spent years <laughs> writing the movie like years writing it before they filmed anything when the movie when the documentary starts <laughs> they have a year before the movie comes out and they haven't animated the whole thing
1: frozen two season two Fall season 2 otherwise known as fall I'm <laughs> I'm so sorry that I'm so drunk but I just want to remind the listeners that there was one time that Hannah showed up to an interview super stoned so oh I
2: was so high <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 it was with Jillian it was I it was with evolution to me I was so high okay listen this episode might be released on the... I, we were thinking it might be released on the mainstream, but now I'm suspecting it'll need to be Patreon only because of the chaos. But, That's what
1: you paid for?
2: Yeah. I have one last question.
1: Are we wrapping up? Okay. I mean, I guess... Yeah. Okay, I guess you guys have things to yeah. do.
2: Well, also, if Coach is going to edit any of this, we have to do her the courtesy of not providing her with three hours of audio. <whistles>
1: We're only at one hour and 16 minutes. This is way shorter than a regular episode. <laughs> anyway, carry on, Hannah. I'm so sorry. I keep interrupting. I'm such a bitch. <laughs> yeah, why don't you
2: date Neil? What? Because oh, beca- part- I thought his <laughs> gotcha. partner was Okay, the, it took me a minute. A, took me a minute. <laughs> was a...
3: I don't feel like that's going to be a popular ship.
2: No, it's not. Oh. Absolutely it's not, not. No, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be never, never or bust.
1: Never or bust. Bust or never.
2: So the way that Elsa's magic is represented in this film is as kind of like the fifth element that that unites the other four. So I would like somebody to explain to me why the fifth element is ice. Which is just water, but cold.
3: <laughs> okay, but what if... What if we think that the fifth spirit, the link between the elements, is element is the ability to change the state of the elements?
2: But she doesn't change the state of any of the elements except for water.
1: Untrue.
3: Maybe they take turns.
1: She cools fire... <laughs> <laughs> and oh
3: no wait a minute fire's already oh damn it
1: no the like fire so it's like a salamander right that it's supposed to be a salamander yeah. it was a little little flaming creature who she cools yeah with her power yeah, she cools them yeah. and yeah i don't we don't see her we don't see her cool the giants but once the dam is broken which is what she told anna to do the di- the giants are like Oh, that we're good. This is fine. We're fine now.
3: And... Well, but I feel like...
1: And... Neil, you just hang on. This is something... This is something I don't know why I'm being so aggressive tonight, but um, I really just want to thank both of you for tolerating it. Um, something I noticed in this viewing is that at least one of the earth giants is shaped exactly the same as Elsa's snow monster who kicks uh Anna and Kristoff oh. out of the out of the, yeah. the private ice palace. They are shaped the exact same way. Which I know some grumpier people might say is because they just like reused those same like CGI computer no. thingies, sort of like how Robin Hood, the animated Fox film, is um, large. It's just entirely pastiche of like the Jungle Book and Arist- Aristocats and all these other things, but it's also perfect. So um, I would say that it doesn't matter if it is just reusing something, it is still perfect and suggests to me that on a no Elsa Elsa um because she makes the the snow guardian of her fortress in the shape of the earth giant that she has the ability to like um con- control seems so manipulative but like the ability to manipulate friendly like <laughs> the earth giants <laughs> anyway neil thoughts
3: i uh no I, I was just thinking i i talked myself into kind of a corner there because like you know i'm saying oh ice is you know what else it does is change water from a liquid state to a solid state but then i was thinking the 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 fire elemental like fire also isn't an element in that sense right it's this process that happens to other elements and then I was thinking, well, but Gale, yeah, wind, the wind elemental, Gale, is yeah. also not that. So only the earth giant and the water knock are, like, they're the only ones that are actually a substance that has any kind of coherence. So maybe the spirits just have some kind of playful, like, Aristotelian sense of what makes up the world. I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Aristotle. I, mean, I just... Yeah, it's just funny to me because it's sort of like a like a rock paper scissors <laughs> game, but ice beats everything. Yeah. Oh, ice beats wind. Ice beats water. Ice beats earth. Oh, ice definitely beats fire. It is weird. It like, is weird. Ice beats fire. Sorry, fire's desire is to be colder, not to burn more. It's fine. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I think part of it is retconning a uh, Snow Queen narrative into a different kind of story that they are trying to tell and so they want her magic just to be magic like connection to the spiritual realm but they've already established the sort of visual and narrative vocabulary for magic to be ice and snow based mm-hmm. this is all fine mm-hmm. um but it was a little it was a little funny to me <laughs> the premise <laughs> of like there's four elements and a fifth one unites them all snow <laughs>
1: I assumed...
2: Usually it's heart,
1: but fine. Well, yeah, like yeah. in the movie, The Fifth Element, it's love. Love. And mm-hmm. I think... And in Captain Planet, it's heart. It's heart, which is where we feel love. That's not true. I feel love in my stomach, and it feels like throwing up. Um, What? What? And... I think that implicitly in Frozen 2, we are. I think. I. I don't. Okay. I think we are encouraged to believe that the fifth element is not ice or snow, but it is love because Elsa is able to control her powers. Once she feels loved by her sister and her people for, like, who she is. She doesn't need to hide anymore. She doesn't need to be afraid. And if Elsa is the fifth spirit and she is also, like, the one side of the bridge and her mother's daughter, who is the, like... Offspring of the two people. I think. I think. I think she's supposed to be love. I think she's supposed to be Mila Yolfevich. Is what I'm saying.
2: The real fifth element is the friends we made along the way. Yeah. Okay. Any final
1: thoughts on person
2: two? <laughs>
3: Uh, I, feel like, uh, I feel like i feel like I got to keep some of my guy with a film degree cred in here. So I'm also going to say that there's a lot of shots in this movie that minimize the characters against the natural background. You actually I think that's pretty cool. At,
2: there's a lot of shots in this movie.
3: There are. As a
2: film guy, i got to say a lot of shots in
3: this movie. There's <laughs> a lot of them. I was there. I saw them.
1: Everybody! Wow. Who is bullying Neil now,
2: Hannah? You're right. There are they are often sort of panning out so that you can see how small they are in relation to the overwhelming nature. I love that scene where Elsa is trying to figure out how to run across the sea.
3: Oh, it's so good.
2: And just keeps getting slapped by waves. It's really Just like
3: a great great animation scene. It's just beautiful. No, yeah, it's yeah. so good.
2: Yeah, I don't always notice the animation in these movies um, until they do a scene like that, and I'm like, yes.
1: So, okay, here's a question that I have about film and animation. Mm. Uh, all right, and on that note, we're gonna wrap (coughs) up our discussion
2: Uh... of person two thanks so much, everyone, for uh coming on this journey with us where we where we watched three adult humans slowly descend into madness, thinly disguised as a conversation about an animated film, but I don't know if we fooled anyone. Hey Neil, if people want more of you, where can they find you
3: um i have a I have a dormant Twitter account. <laughs>
2: Ooh, brag Let's
3: check that out Neapolitan yeah. yeah
2: Yeah
3: Um Yeah Kinda Kinda nowhere else I just did a bit of academic writing Ooh. That's gonna come out Actually Hannah Hooks me what? up with An academic writing oh. opportunity Ooh. Cool Yeah so, so that worked out well So I've got a uh, I've got a guide to um, The rela- A chapter about the relationship Between literary magazines And comic books Coming out some point i'm not sure when
2: yeah so. i am also in that anthology so when it yeah. comes out um get into it it's everyone
3: a, it's a witch please must have by several yeah. copies it's
2: basically a witch please collector's item at this point basically it's, it's gonna oxford university press companion to the literary magazine is it oxford edinburgh, edinburgh Yeah. who university
3: is it press? was it routledge no Oh, could be. Is it Routledge? Routledge? I don't know. It
2: might be Routledge.
3: We're not editing this. Like <laughs> yeah, we don't, don't edit worry. that we just collection. Wrote for it. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine.
2: <laughs> um, Marcel doesn't have a piece in it, but I do cite her extensively in mine, so she oh, is still in you. the. That's collection. so
1: nice, Neil. I hear that you didn't cite me in yours. <laughs>
2: What's, yeah, what reports are coming in And what is it says that you not cite A single
1: woman
3: Well, this is this it <laughs> It's the end of which, please
1: wow. Oh my god huh. It's the
3: last you'll hear How of me
1: that? Uh, Neil, you also work on some other no way that's Fun true. podcasts Isn't that true?
3: <laughs> they're also dormant Oh, uh, they're
1: also dormant Okay, Never mind, no, name yeah. one of them Come on
3: Well, I used to do Plot Device, which was a podcast where we would improvise stories. Um, Again, we've sort of set that aside for the time being.
2: For now. For now. But you'll be back. Yeah, it'll be
3: back.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. Well, everybody look on the internet for Neil and you'll find him somewhere. (laughs) And on that note, happy holidays, everybody.
1: Happy holidays. I hope that you are all having a hoot of a good time. You've been listening to Witch Please After Eight, a holiday. If you want to watch the unedited footage from our recording head over to Patreon and join us at the $2, $5, $10, $13, or $30 tier. Did you know that if you pay annually, you get 10% off? Plus, if you join before January 1st, you'll help us unlock a live Witch Please Tell Me Q&A for all patrons across all levels. Once again, thank you for listening and for being part of the Witch Please community. By far, the best part of making Witch Please is getting to know you, our listeners. You share your unique interests and expertise with us on social media, via Patreon, and in our Apple reviews. We love that. Actually, while I'm on the subject, if you can't become a patron today, just leave us an Apple podcast review with some kind of chaotic username, and uh, Hannah, definitely not me, but Hannah, will get so much joy listening to me try to read it out loud on an upcoming episode. Okay, enough of all that. Happy belated holidays. Happy almost new year. We are so grateful for your listenership as we head into 2022.